ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Vortex Optics. Proudly made in the USA, Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to SasquatchFuel.com. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. Hey guys, I shared some time with Christy Williams. We get into photography, camera setups, her obsession with elk, and what the future holds for Colorado Mountain Girl. Enjoy the episode. So we are on with Ninja Face, <laughs> Christy Williams, uh, also known as, better known as uh, Colorado Mountain Girl on Instagram. And I'm sure just about everybody knows your photos, your photography. Dude, that was a botch up. Um, so I'm going to let you kick it off. Just give us a little bit of intro. And we usually start with, you know, hunting and outdoor life um, and kind of the background there. Um but we'll probably have to kind of turn that around and get into what you're looking forward to this this year or what. Well, still looking forward to, but it was on the docket already and it's kind of passed us because of this whole situation we're in. So show right. yours. It's all yours. So give us some background. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, 
So um, probably about 10 years ago, my dad uh, retired up in Estes Park, Colorado. And I came for a visit and just fell in love with elk. <laughs> and I, yeah, I remember going out with my cell phone and just taking pictures. And I just developed this obsession for them. And um, I started visiting more and more. And then I'd say within the year, I moved out here myself. So um, my dad is an, like an amateur photographer. And he bought me my first camera, the interest that I had in it as well. And that's where it all began. And that was probably about... I probably started getting into photography probably about eight years ago. And it's just become a stronger passion as each day goes by for me. So (laughs) this is a hunting podcast most times. Um, Yes. So to hear someone... So to hear someone yeah, oh, say oh. they fell in love with elk and there was no hunting okay. involved, I sh- I can't say it's an odd thing, but it's unusual, um, at least mm-hmm. on this platform. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. what an amazing animal to chase around, you know, with the camera and or, you know, a rifle or a bow. They're just phenomenal. Yes, yes. And I I created this Instagram account, you know, not thinking anything of it, but just to post some of my hobby photographs. And before you know it, I have this huge hunting hunter following and it's amazing. And, uh, it's, you know, thanks to you and, um, Michael with Outcalling Academy, I've been brought into this amazing community of hunters. (laughs) And I'm so happy to be a part of it. And it really brings a sense of community to my life. And, and yeah, so now I'm, you know, it's starting to, my interests are starting to be peaked to photograph hunts. Um, that's probably the long-term goal, you know, my dream. So how, as a, I'm, I'm not an anti, but a non-hunter, how unlikely did that seem, I probably didn't, you probably never even gave it a thought, um, but just kind of a just happenstance that, you know, all these hunters were like, boom, elk, boom, deer, great pictures, let's roll. Right, right. So I did, I do have a little bit of a hunting background. My dad was a hunter. So, you know, I did um, grow up around it and um I remember crying when he killed animals when I was younger. <laughs> um, and I used to get mad at him. But now, you know, I have his antlers hanging on my walls and his guns hanging in my house. And it, it's their, you know, special belongings of mine now. But yeah, so with Instagram, I just started noticing hunters love my elk photos. And you know, when you see what your audience likes, you just want to produce more and more content for them. You know, I love seeing people react to my photos and like my photos and want to see more. And I love sharing my experiences just with everyone. But yeah, I think that, you know, when I look at my photos, the ones I think are going to do well are like the deer portraits <laughs> and <laughs> my foxes. Oh, it's not 
it's not at all what's a hit on Instagram. What what's the hit is the bull elk, the yeah. big bull elk, the groups of bull elk. Um, I think that's what people really, really enjoy. And it's during this time, it's so hard because I can't, I, I'm not able to see them at the moment. You know, right now is, you know, they all drop their antlers and they're growing fuzzy ones. And I wish so badly I could be up there you know, photographing them, but hopefully that changes. Soon. So you have the same withdrawals that I have and every other man and woman that chases those things that September is having right now. I do. I do. Cause you know, I can, I have access to elk, but they're probably about two and a half hours away, but you know, the hotels are closed. <laughs> so it's not, it's not easy for, you know, it's not easy to get to them for me right now. But hopefully a lot of the, so are these elk, are they park elk? I know you go to Estes a lot. Um, where do you, where do you primarily get those photo ops? Cause I tell you what, you get to the elk woods and you have a bow in your hand or a rifle in your hand. They run around like that. Right. I know they're, they're different than the elk that you're probably used to. So most, so all of my rut photographs, my favorite photographs are from Rocky Mountain National Park in September. I usually go out for about 10 days and probably 80% of my photos are from the National Park. But during the rut, I also try to leave the National Park and either go in the National Forest or just in the woods and just try to find different elk. So I don't have the same pictures that everybody else has. Because when you're out there... You know, it's everybody from Instagram taking pictures, which is wonderful, which is great. But, you you know, it's hard to get unique photos. So, okay, I got a couple of things, but that that <laughs> sense of community has to go into that, too. Right. Because there's I mean, you have you have Good Bull and I mean, there's just a ton of photographers that are. Yes, they're getting the same elk. But I think each one of you captures you can capture the same elk and it's obvious it's the same elk right by the by the rack but each one of you has a spin on the framing or the lighting or the detail that you capture so i think it's we're able to yes. appreciate the different views of it and it's just and it's amazing it's really a beautiful thing to see that same animal in so many different lights it really is there's so much creativity out there everyone other all, all photographers that I'm out there with like I last year I remember in the same field it was Jason Loftus with Untamed Images it was Neil and Dopes it was um, Creek Bed you know all these amazing photographers were out there at the same time but we each have such a different style mm-hmm. of editing just photographing in general um you know whereas I'm more of a portrait photographer they get some more action shots we're just it's it's really neat to look at their photos now once they post them and be like, wow, they did an amazing job. You know, and it's completely different than from what I would do. You know, and it's inspiring. It's inspiring. It makes me want to be a better photographer seeing their work and what they got out there that day and what I came away with it photo wise so one of the things one of the thing and it's definitely not a negative and then i think that's one of the reasons that i love your photos so much is and i, I hate sounding cliche Elk are, <laughs> you know it's the majestic wapiti right and mm-hmm. and everybody captures that 
but again, everyone's is their their take on it is is so different. And and yours, I don't know if it's the editing or just the eye for the lighting, but there mm-hmm. you could have all these colors around, and somehow you're able to single in on that elk, make that elk blow up. The colors are still there, but the focus is still on the elk. I just I don't even know how to explain it. Um yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with your settings, you know, and how you manipulate them to get the picture that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I, I'm more of, you know, as you know, a portrait photographer. Um, so I always try to zoom in on one particular subject and just try to make it pop. And a lot of I your images are a little bit darker, too. Yeah, I have a darker style. I've yeah. noticed that. Um, whereas some people like to really pop the saturation and the contrast and make them pretty colorful. I tend to dark, I use, um, I tend to use the lowest ISO setting that I can on my camera, which I know is a really, um, different approach to photographing, but that's just how I do it. You know, I like to have really dark backgrounds, It just, but it does something to the photo. And that's, and that's one of the things in my head that makes them, that makes them stand out. Thank you. I think it's, Thank uh, you. and then the detail, then that's one of the things that I want to get into. Cause we're going to talk about photography after I finish blowing your head up. Um, Absolutely. but the, the level, the level of detail, I can pick out a gray hair on <laughs> the mane of an elk in your photos, like no other. And and it always amazes me looking at them and it's like, how, how do you get that? I mean, it, there's a refinement in detail when, when you can see that one single hair stand out. Yeah. I, and I love that. I love a sharp image. And I think that's like the, for me, um, that's a key for me to get, um, you know, a successful Im- image is just to have the sharpness. And I think it has to do with steady hand. And just being, you know, no shake too, because I don't use a tripod. I was, I was about to say with no tripod or no monopod. <laughs> right, right. You know, just the, my steady hand and just having your settings right. I think, you know, having your um, your speed, you know, at the right at the right level is so important. And I, I try to get them so they're pretty sharp where you don't have to edit them. When, once I load them, you know, in my software, that I don't have to sharpen them too much. Yeah, because what I've noticed that like in Photoshop, when you go to sharpen, it, it almost pixelates to a point. Um, it does. It brings noise into the photo. And, the, and it I, does. I don't see and I'm scrolling through your page right now, just kind of eyeballing some of them. And I and you just don't get that. It's just amazing to me how clean and crisp the photos are. I'm envious because I can't take a photo like that to save my oh, life. <laughs> I can help you. I, I recently bought a new camera and it's just amazing. The quality of it is amazing. Uh, it's so sharp and it's so, you know, the camera itself is really fast. So, okay. So uh, since I'm scrolling, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but since I'm scrolling, when did you start using that camera? How long ago? Within a month and a half. Okay. So I'm going to go back (laughs) funny because I was in October (laughs) of last year. So I'm going to a month and a half and I'm going to see if there's any noticeable difference a month and a Mm -hmm. half. 
What are we in? Oh, we're going into May. I think you might be able to tell what the fox is. And I was a full street over and then some when I took those. So here, okay, so here's April. This is uh, Keith Naylor's favorite bull elk picture <laughs> from April 1st. Oh, I know. Which one. <laughs> yeah, see, and I, I don't know. I can't tell. I just, I, yeah, I can't tell. I think a lot of, like, even I may do with my old one. It wasn't a bad camera, but it actually, it wasn't a great one either. Yeah, I think I think to a point, though, you have to either you're spending a lot of time behind the lens. Well, we know we already know that you have an eye for it. So I think mm -hmm. that you can tell the average person's not going to be able to pick it out. <laughs> and then that picture you have right. of the uh, four bulls silhouetted. That is yeah, that was my new camera. Stupid. Thank you. And it looks black and white, but it's, it's not. not. You can I tell can like, the, their, yeah. their butts are tan. It, the lighting was just terrible, Actually, <laughs> but it worked out in my I favor. I was going to say that absolutely <laughs> worked out in your favor. It is just amazing. You can see the grass in front of it on yeah. the bottom here that uh, you can see the color. That's yeah, just that's an amazing one, um, shot. Freddie's daughter painted. Did you see oh, that? Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> She's so talented. That's just, a, yeah, it's amazing. So, Let's talk a little bit photography. Let's do it. So I guess, so you, you're, talk cameras. You're, you got your new Nikon, I think it was yes. a month and a half ago. So talk cameras yes, a little sir. bit. And I know you're, we've been kind of went back and forth a little bit on the DLSR, DSLR versus the mirrorless. Um, and we were talking about that. So we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, talk your camera and why that camera um, and I want to get into lenses, but I think I'm going to be pretty specific because that can go on and on and on with a photographer. Okay. <laughs> okay. So my camera is the Nikon D850 and it, it's, it's amazing. The quality of it, the pic, I noticed, you know, the sharpness, the speed, the megapixels. It's, I think it's 40 each picture. It's 45 megapixels. And, you know, I could take a full frame photo and just go into the corner of it and crop out a fox's head, for example, like the ones I posted recently. And it's still so sharp. Yeah, it's, it's a complete game changer for photography for me. Um, and I think a lot of, I think a lot has to do with the sharpness too, is the lenses and the brand that you buy in your lenses. Like I'm using a Nikon for most of my photos, a Nikon 200 to 500. And the quality is just impeccable. You know, um, I think I owe, you know, most of my <laughs> photos quality to that, to that lens. And just being able to get me those images and just getting me so close to the animals. So the 200 to 500 with no monopod, no tripod. Mm -hmm. I, that that says a little bit more than steady hand because <laughs> i don't it's know that I, i've never seen <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen anyone run around with with a lens that size and just you know offhand shoot 
<laughs> I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, my arms are a little bit more tone in the fall. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm running through those fields and, you know, doing the ninja moves, you know, to get the shots with carrying that thing. And yeah, it, do- it doesn't bother me. You know, I, a lot of people are shocked that I do it. <laughs> but no, it, it, it doesn't even phase me. I don't even think about it that I'm carrying it. Yeah, that's probably, I mean, we, we have that same argument in, in hunting to a point, right? Guys shoot off of bipods and monopods and there's guys that are like, oh, I'm just offhand shooting. So I could see it. I just, it, it surprises me with, you know, just the images are uh, just so freaking clean. Yeah, steady arm, I think. <laughs> steady arm and fingers. <laughs> so that's the primary lens for your, for most it of your is. captures. That's what I, yeah, I tend to do a lot of face shots, you know, a lot of close-up portraits on the on elk. So that's my go-to, and it's comes it comes in handy during the rut, you know, because you definitely don't want to get too close to the elk because they're not usually not in good moods. <laughs> uh, so, um, but I also use, um, a, I think it's a maybe a seventy to two hundred. For the rot, for for a lot of my photographs, and that's a great lens too. You know, I used that for years, probably for four years before I upgrade it to the five hundred. So where you know, and that's oh, sorry, you can get mount. Oops, sorry, no, nope, you go ahead. It's nice, the two hundred is nice because you can get you know you can get a little bit of a landscape as well. You can get the mountains in there, you know, the elk and the mountains. So that's a that's a great lens as well you said you don't get too close. So what kind of range are we talking about when we're looking at most of your photos, if you're using that 200 to five? Most of the time I'm at the 500 mark on my zoom, but it just depends. I think you have to feel out the animals. You know, I, I can usually tell if they're stressed and if they're stressed, I just back off because you don't, that's the last thing you want to do is, you know, upset an elk <laughs> in a, in a middle of a field when you're by yourself. You know, so I usually just really feel out the animals and like the elk in Rocky Mountain National Park, they are used to people being around and they're pretty tame, but they aren't during the rut. Like I, I just know they'll attack you if you, you know, push the limits. Right. Still wild animals. Park, they're park still wild. And, so right. what do you think, you know, what kind of distance are you keeping with that two to five? Gosh, I can be 15 yards away or I could be, you know, 50. Oh, wow. It's, it depends. You know, sometimes I crawl and get down low in the grass and they don't see me. <laughs> I think it, it all depends on the situation. I, I get pretty close. I get pretty close to them. Okay. Well, you might do good with a you know, I, I like I like having a connection with the animals. If that makes sense. Like I absolutely make sense. You're talking to a, a hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and as I odd as people would make that, you know, they, they go connection to the animal, you're killing them, but it's, it's absolutely a connection to them. It is. And I try to talk to them and I call, I let them, I try to make them comfortable around me. Like I never want to scare them or make them, you know, nervous around me. But, and I think every single one, when I leave them, after we spend our time together. Okay. <laughs> so, so I want the, I'm going to make you comfortable elk conversation. 
let let's hear that. <laughs> I just say hi, and then I like blow kisses to it. <laughs> And I swear it helps. This is probably what I'm doing wrong in the Elkwoods. I'm going to start talking and making them feel comfortable before I send one. Yeah, I do. I call, I kiss them and, you know, I say, hey, baby. And and I think, and then they start grazing again. And that's when I know, okay, they're they're okay with me being here. I've had it all. I'm telling you, I've had it all wrong. (laughs) By Michael Batiste, by Paul Medell. We just got to blow kisses and talk nice. (laughs) And then just always thank them. And I say, see you soon. I'm on my way. (laughs) Because I'm stomping away, cussing and screaming because I got beat. That's too much. Okay, back to photography. So okay, so with the the seventy to two hundred, so you said you'll you'll use that a little bit now since you upgraded. Um, what what makes you change? What in the scenario makes you change lenses? So, like a few examples of when I changed it last fall is when I was out at um, when the sun was just coming sunrise, and you know you just see that alpine glow on the mountaintops. And then I would switch it out because I definitely want to get the mountains in the background just so you can see the differences in light. Um, and I think if you're by water, if I'm by a lake, I'll switch it out just to get, you know, the whole, you know, the whole scenery in the photo. I think if it's a beautiful background or if there's a huge herd. You know, if there's a big herd of elk, I can't use my two to 500 because it won't fit them all in the frame. Okay. So, so for folks that may not know, explain, explain why that is. Is that the objective lens size on the front or how does that work between those two that makes that determination when you have more subjects? Well, when I have, I can usually, it depends on how close I am. Usually I'm pretty close to the elk. So my 200 to 500 is too big of a lens to use. You know, I won't get, um, like, let's say if there's a herd of 15 elk and I'm 20 yards away, there's no way that I can get all of them in one frame. So in that in that situation, I would switch out to my 70. And that's basically just giving you that appearance of distance in the lens. Up. Yeah, and just giving me that wideness that I'm looking for to get the whole the like, whole scene laid. The whole scene, yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, my 200 to 500, that's more, I think, for, you know, a single bull elk or my portrait photography. You know, but it'll also work if there's a herd of elk, you know, super far away in a field as well. So uh, where am I at? I'm not, I want to skip around a little bit. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard to stay on track with this because I have questions. Um, we're talking quality, talking lenses. So let's talk a little bit about the the settings. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you're kind of run and gun on the fly, but are there go-to settings? Do you have programs in there or everything is just run and gun? Hey, this is the lighting. This is where they're moving. I'm making these adjustments and going. It is. Yeah. I do everything on the go. I change my, you know, I think ISO is probably my number one, 
you know, I always try to shoot with the lowest ISO. You know, I never want my, this is just my style, but I don't like really bright images. Um, so, you know, and just switching my white balance from sunlight to cloudy, I do that a lot. You know, because I don't want, so if it's super, super sunny, I don't want it to be so bright. So if you put on that sunny filter, the sunny white balance filter, I think that really helps the colors. Um, same thing with if it's cloudy to put on the cloudy setting and then it brightens everything up for you. You know, it brings the shadows up a little bit. It's just, those are really helpful tools that I use on my camera, but no, I change everything as I go. <laughs> so, you know, if, you know, let's say if there's one elk, I, I probably tend to use a very low aperture because I want that buttery, soft background and just for all the focus to be on the elk. Whereas if it's a herd of elk with a nice background, you know, I want to up that aperture so everything is in focus. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. I'm I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm upping my photo game with this. Yeah. So you, okay, go ahead. No, nope, go ahead. No, you go. Ladies first. <laughs> I went on that yeah, one. Yeah. Okay. So I I tend to like using a low aperture, like f four, f five, and it gives. Depending on the light, if the light is great, and let's say if it's golden hour, you can get that bokeh effect to your photos. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do. You know, I love photographing, you know, at first light and when it's golden hour. And I think you can do a lot of really cool things with your photos when you capture during those times. Okay. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Uh -huh. If I'm out and I'm hunting or I'm out, I'm scouting and I'm on the move and I'm not uh -huh. that proficient for the lack of a better word, which I'm probably not with my camera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, what would be some plus or minus presets that I could roll with that might help me get better quality images while I'm in the woods and realizing that I'll probably have to have two or three, right? Early morning. If I'm in the timber, if I'm out of timber in midday, things like that. Right. So I think a go-to good setting for your um, aperture, your f-stop would be probably about f10, f11. I think you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so I would always, you know, try to stick there. That's a great middle ground. And then you're on the go a lot. So you would want to make sure you know, your shutter speed was probably at a thousand. So I would try, what I would do is try f11 or f10 a thousand shutter speed. And then the only thing you really need to worry about is your ISO then, you know, and if it's bright, very bright, you want your ISO, you know, lower, but if it's getting, you know, close to day, you know, um, nighttime, you need your ISO higher, you know, you could go anywhere up to, I think it's 6,400. They say it's the safest. And so the ISO is kind of easy. Like my yeah. And that's why for, that's easiest for me. Like when I was pulling up to take photos of the foxes the other day, I wanted my settings perfect before I even got there because they, once they see you, they run away. And so I had my settings just like that. F10, my speed at a thousand and it was pretty bright out. So I put my ISO all the lowest it would go. 
Yeah, so I, ISO, I mean, and, and that's one of, you know, the ISO is typically on, you know, on your thumb wheel. So that's probably the easiest setting. And that's what oh, I struggle with it. is, you know, especially when you're hunting, right, is trying to my problem. I shouldn't say the problem. My problem is, is that my focus is on hunting and the camera is always secondary, um, mm-hmm. which nets some really questionable photography or video. Most cases. Right. Right. So I think those would be, you know, good settings to have it on. And then if you, all you would have to worry about is your ISO, which is a quick switch. Um, I try never to go above like 600 ISO. I'm always in between 10 and 600. So, you know, that's, that's a good go-to, you know, this way you wouldn't have to play with your camera too much. And before I head out, I always test my ISO. Even if I'm driving, I do like one test shot to see, you know, if it works. Because the way I find it is it's always easier to lighten a dark image than to darken a bright image. Without any... Right. Like if you get a white out image where your ISO is way too high and you take a picture and, you know, it's white, that's going to be hard to to fix in any type of software you use. But if you have a darker image, it's so much easier to adjust that exposure up. So that's always been my rule of thumb is take a dark image and fix it later. And so, okay, here we go to the jump around. So how much, (laughs) just because it came up, how much post work do you do with your photos? I try to keep it very minimal. Um, I try to get, when I'm out in the field, I try to take the picture exactly how I want to, how I almost want to post it, you know, or how I want to print it. I want to get it as close to the real thing as possible. So when I, you know, after I take my photos, you know, I race home and I load them into my computer. And when I go to edit one, I'm, you know, I might mess around with, you know, the sharpening tool a little bit. I do a lot of the vignette where I make the corners a little bit darker. Um, and I might make it a little bit warmer. There's the temperature, like in, in Lightroom, there's a temperature adjuster and I use that. To give them, I like to have an orange glow to my photos a little bit, a warm tone, but I try not to edit them too much at all. And that's the beauty of this new Nikon D850 is it's just the quality is so amazing that I don't have to. It's pretty neat. Okay, so jumping again um, mm-hmm. back to the hunting scenario, if you will, the, you know, the lenses that you carry <laughs> have some weight mm-hmm. to them. Right. And, and yeah. for me, it's like, okay, if I had to, if I had to have two lenses on my, you know, for my camera in my pack in a hunting scenario where I might be carrying 30 to 50 or 60 pounds, what would be mm-hmm. a couple of go-to lenses for, you know, filming a hunt or getting that bull elk as he's coming in. Right. I think if I were to go on a hunt and photograph a hunt, I would bring the two to 500, but then I would also bring just my 35 millimeter. I think it's 35 millimeter 1.4 portrait lens. I think those are in that's a tiny lens and it's very, very light. And I think I would bring that to get the photographs at the end of the hunt, just to get really quality portrait. 
that's what you guys want at the end of it, don't you? You and your you and your trophy at the end of your hunt. So I think I, you know, just to get those really quality portrait photos, you know, the ones you're gonna frame and put it up on your wall afterwards. Um and then my heavy lens. I I think I well, I don't know. I don't know how far out you would be. I don't know if you would need a 500 zoom well, for and, and that's why I'm asking the question because that's yeah, one, no, size-wise, yeah, size that's cumbersome in a hunting situation, right? Because, you know, say you're, you know, your camera's on your tripod, you have your tripod and your camera strapped to your back or you're trying to move through the woods with it. And I've done it where I'm self-filming and I have the camera tripod in one hand, the bow in the other, I'm trying to set up or, you know, climbing over deadfall and whatnot. Um, that lens is way too GD big. Right. So I think I would, I have an 18 to 300 lens. That's pretty light. I, uh, and I, I think I would bring an 18 to 300 and then a 35 millimeter to get the portrait ones at the end. I got some lenses to buy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just bought a portrait lens probably a month and a half ago. And I think it's 35, 1.4, and it's fantastic. It's great. And it's nice for those close-ups that, you know, like I take it with fuzzy. <laughs> you know, that's how I get my pictures of her, but it would be a great hunt lens. Duly noted. And I think it was only a hundred and I think it was $150. And it's a Nikon oh, lens. Wow, that's not. And it's so that cheap just because you can't zoom. It's 35 millimeter. Right. That's it. Just set. Yeah, but it's very fairly inexpensive. I did, you know, I did some family photography with it and it worked great. But then I could do wildlife too. And it's wonderful for um, astrophotography. You know, you can get your star shots. You can do your landscapes. It's a good, versatile lens. Oh, you just opened up a can of worms with them star shots. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's a challenge, right? And you see a lot of people do it. And some people do it really, really well. And then there's mm -hmm. people that just fail, in my opinion. So what That's is <laughs> what is the trick to that? And there's no and I'm sorry, you know, if I said that and somebody's like, oh, well, what are you looking at? Um, but either you did it or you didn't do it is how I see that when it right. comes to that photography. So what's give us some some tricks there. <sighs> I think being low to the ground, having a really short, steady tripod, um, it's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did go and do um, some astrophotography last summer. On the, I don't know if you're familiar with Trail Ridge Road in Estes Park. I think it's the highest paved road in North America. So it goes up to, I think it's... 12,500. I might be wrong, but it's, it's close. And did some, um, meteor shower photography up there. And it was amazing. And the pictures came out. Oh, my pictures came out. Okay. But it's just not my, it's just not my niche animals are. <laughs> did, did I just put you on the opposite end of that? <laughs> did yes. you fall on the bad end of that spectrum? <laughs> yeah, it's just not my thing. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm not good at it. You know, I think it's not my thing though, because I don't think I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm you know, I, I look at other people's photos. I'm like, wow, they're so good. And I don't see myself producing those type of photos. 
do you have any? I'm, I'm, I'm back on your page to see if you have any so I can clean my I don't uh, think I do I don't have any I have one in a story because <laughs> it wasn't good enough <laughs> oh, okay I might have to uh, I might have to find that and pull Tate Hale's foot out of my mouth right now <laughs> there's no oh you got like, too many stories I can send you some I did um, we did a couples uh, I went with a girlfriend and we photographed a couple celebrating their anniversary and we did some portrait shots up there and they came out really well I can send you one of those so you could see yeah shoot that over to me so I can clean up my uh... <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about hunting. Um, you, I know you were hoping to get that hunter's ed out of the way and this whole predicament virus thing that we're under. So what uh, is that? Is that you know, something that yeah. was spurred on because of the hunting community or just something that you kind of just fell into or how did that all come about? It is. It is. I um... So I became friends a few years ago. I became pretty good friends with an outfitter here in Colorado. And I've learned some of his business just from conversations. And it that really sparked an interest in me. And just from Instagram in general, my, you know, I follow all the hunters that follow me as well. And I find it fascinating. And when you see, this might sound bad, but when you see, you know, in the fall, you're having all these hunters post their you know, them and their, their kill. And it's a, you know, a cell phone photo. And I think to myself, man, I wish I was there to take their pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I want to be there. You know, I want to produce lasting memories for these, these hunters. You know, I think uh, it would be, it would be fun. And <laughs> I don't know. Is that, is that strange of me to no. want to take better photos? <laughs> but I think it would be a challenge as well. You just took for, the, you just took me. the foot from me and put it in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it would be. Um, you know, I love challenging myself to new things and and producing new content, and I think that would be a really good direction for me to go in professionally. <laughs> Um, and I think my audience would like it too. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it would, you know, I think if I got my, um, I'm supposed to do a a turkey hunt here in like two weeks. So that's going to be my first ever hunt. So I'm pretty stoked about that. And it's a horseback hunt, which I think will be a blast. So you realize you'll have to put the camera down. Yes. That's going to pose a bit of a challenge. Yes, I'll have to put the camera down. Um, well, I'm so I was supposed to originally hunt, go hunting for my first hunt, but like you said, I couldn't get my license. But actually, Allie from Goodwill um, messaged me after your live mm-hmm. last two weeks ago, and she told me that there is um, an apprentice program that I can apply for where I can still hunt as long as I'm with a licensed hunter. So oh, I'm nice. going to look into that. So I'm going to go to our farm and feed shop here this week <laughs> where you get your hunting license and find out more about it. So I might be hunting in a few weeks. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's a heck of a... Yeah, that, that, that would be really neat. Yeah, that's a great work through. Mrs. Do you think a turkey would be good to, for my first? You know, anything that's going to get you out in the woods and experience it 
and and have that understanding of what you are chasing as a passion on the other side of, of the camera. I, I think that's uh-huh. huge. Um, and then the relatability that you'll have with the subjects, right? The people that you're chasing on these hunts, you'll have a better appreciation. I don't think it would, if it was a raccoon or a squirrel, just being out in the woods and chasing it and experiencing it. I really think it's going to be an eye opener. I think so too. I think so too. I think it's going to, you know, open a lot of doors for me personally, just things that I want. I, I, I don't know, ever since I started becoming part of the Instagram community, it's really piqued my interest to want to be a part of it. You know, and especially when all of this went down and everyone was going to the grocery stores and couldn't get meat. <laughs> all the hunters have meat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, most, and- most of us, some of us are still eating tag soup. So <laughs> there's some hungry hunters out there. Don't let them fool you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think I could definitely do turkey hunting. And I think that'll be my first test to see if, I, if I'm built for it. Because I don't know if I am for sure. I know I don't think I'll ever be able to hunt mule deer just because of my connection with them. You don't think that that would deepen the connection? I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't know. I understand the, I understand the, you're cute. I shouldn't say that. That yeah. sounds horrible, but I, I just, for the, <laughs> for the lack of being tactful, um, mm-hmm. um the, I have more of an appreciation for the wildlife that that I harvest or kill, however you look at that, than I do for a slab of meat that I go buy in the store. I think that you appreciate it more for one. And then you understand you have a better understanding of that circle of life. Um, You don't take you don't take it for granted. And I think that is one of the misconceptions when people see, you know, and I'm. I don't want to say, well, when you see, you know, fuzzy. Right. And I understand that one, right? That's a yard deer. It's, it's a little bit different. It's different. Yeah. I think if I was in, you know, a national forest and saw a a completely wild buck, I might feel, I might feel different about it. You know, I think I probably, I would feel different about it, you know, because then it's a challenge. It's just totally different, you know, but I think I would have to put myself in this situation to see how I would feel. I just have such a crazy special bond with these deer. <laughs> I, like I said, I think it would actually increase it. Um, so yeah. what's up? You don't, you don't care about Turkey or what? <laughs> no. <laughs> how is Turkey meat? Is it good? You know, I had this conversation. I've heard conflicting reports. <laughs> yeah. I had this conversation with, with Matt, uh, Matthew from mountain ambush today and that's one of the things I'm conflicted. I enjoy the heck out of turkey hunting. I'm not a sit under a tree or in a blind guy and call them. I, I'll locate them and then I go spot and stalk on them. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm conflicted about hunting them because I do not enjoy the meat that much. I, I'll eat it, but it's not like cutting it into some venison or eating an elk steak or, you know, some antelope or anything. It's just right. okay to the palate for me. Um, so I have a hard mm-hmm. time with myself when it comes to hunting them. So I was talking to Matt and he goes, dude, I hear you. But he said breakfast, <laughs> he's been, they've been making uh, biscuits and gravy with turkey sausage with a little bit of pork ground in it. And he said, Ooh. it's freaking amazing. He goes, I'm going to hunt 10 more turkeys this year because of this. <laughs> 
see, that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good to me. It's, you know, to make biscuits and gravy with the turkey sounds amazing. But like in Thanksgiving, I don't order, I don't get turkey. I order a ham. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I just don't like turkey, but I've had turkey jerky from gas stations and it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it, and the jerky isn't that bad, but it's, I would rather a butterball than a wild turkey. And I don't know how, you know, that will come off but it, i just don't enjoy the meat that much so it's it's yeah, a hard I've one heard for that me quite a bit yeah, I've, is, I've heard that from a lot of people yeah it's just one of those one of those animals but that's how i'm super excited to photograph the turkey hunt i'm it's like a shoot and stop like you were just saying on horseback and i think it'll be a blast in the back country i think it's at like nine thousand feet but you so, can't. But, but that's and that's what I was saying is you, you may be able to fo- photograph while you're on horseback, but you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to photograph while you are hunting. And that yeah. is the, that's where I'm always torn because I'm never going to put my hunting second to trying to capture an image while I'm out there. As much as I want to, you know, the desire right. is there, but actually laying down the hunt to do that, it's. Yeah, there's people that can do yeah. it and they are special. <laughs> yeah, I def- I'm definitely going to try, you know, because I know the, the outfitter that I'm going with, it's mainly going to be focused on him, not my hunt. <laughs> so so I think, you know, I'm just going to try to capture him as many great images I can for his website and his Instagram. And, you know, because he's never had a photographer go out with him either. So this will be a first for both of us. I'm, I'm September. I'm booking you. Yeah. So where? So what do you hunt in September, elk? Mm-hmm. That's at, once I started hunting elk, that was it. And it, but before that and after I get my elk hunt in, then I'll go hunt deer. But I, and this, I will this be your archery hunt? Yeah, this will be archery. And do you do you know when you usually? How long do you usually come out for? So last year we had planned sixteen days. We were there eleven. Oh. Um, okay. So it's at least two weeks, at least. Do you come in the beginning or last year we went mid. So we, I think we got sure. there like the, I think we were there the 12th. Okay. Which was kind of a mistake. Okay. I leave the 15th for my rut trip and I'm gone the 15th to the 30th. So if you come before the 15th, I'm there. <laughs> I would yeah. love to, you know, even if you, you know, you want to call me the day of it, that it happens, <laughs> you know, I'll head on out. Yeah. yeah we'll <laughs> or, have to. you know, yeah, I've, I've been asked to do an archery elk hunt in Utah in the last week of August. So I'm going to, I haven't committed to it yet. I want to see how I do in the turkey hunt first. So is that, okay, so is that a dilemma? Um, so <laughs> I've never, I've never done it before. And someone from, one, someone from Instagram asked me if I would come out for a week to Utah. Mm-hmm to photograph him and his daughter's hunt. And I think that would be super special to capture. So I, I just want to, uh, I want to make sure I can, you know, produce everything that they're looking for. And I know there's a lot of miles that go into it. <laughs> right. You know, how, how many miles a day would you say you hike when you're, when we were there last year, we did, I think we figured it, we averaged at seven and a half a day. Okay. That's not too bad. No, it wasn't bad. I, it, now seven and a half, Mountain miles, Colorado mountain miles, not, you know, not right. everything was steep and deep. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy and play that role. But okay. uh, for the most part, it was, it was a tough, call it a tough five miles a day. Okay. 
Okay. See, I would love that too, but uh, it just sounds like a challenge that I'm just totally up for. You know? Oh my goodness. That, I mean, to, to me, that's half of it. Yeah. yeah, and just to capture those memories and photos for a dad and a daughter, how special is that? Heck yeah. <laughs> you know. So, okay, so that I was asking if that was a dilemma because you said you weren't sure if you could do it. Is that because of the hunting aspect of it or you're going to use this no, turkey hunt as a judge? I think I could definitely do the hunt part. I'm just wondering, am I – I've never – I've never hiked that much. Oh, Every, I got you. Know, you. Let's, I say, got you. It's, let's say he's asking, he said it could be, you know, two days or it could be a week. That's a lot. That's, you know, without training, without training your body for those type of miles. I'm, I'm just hoping that I can do it. <laughs> I'd like to think I can. I'm a hiker, but I know it's, it's grueling and it's tough. Yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of, you can temper that a little bit, right? Your expectation on that, because we talk a big game, but when we get out there and that, you know, we went 15 <laughs> miles and that 15 miles was like two and a half. <laughs> that makes me feel better. <laughs> Steep and deep. And we're just like, oh, that's, you know, about a hundred yards down that hill. <laughs> I know. I see these, these people that are like, oh, we had a hike down these trenches four miles out to back it out. I'm like, oh my goodness. How do they do that? You find the easiest way out and you just take the long way. <laughs> we, and that's and that's and i hope i portray my stuff in in the light that doesn't make it look like you know this i'm trying to be grandioso right we're doing everything the, I, the problem that i have is that i will leap before i look in most cases and it usually mm -hmm. ends up with me coming back that way going oh my god what did i do yeah, that was my next question is, you know, will you hunt, will you hunt eight miles away from your truck? <laughs> if absolutely necessary, yeah. 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 Okay. And I think wow. a lot of that, too, it depends on who I'm with, how prepared everyone is, right? If, if we're, you know, if we're in, like last year, we're in a group, it was three of us, and it's a preparation thing. You know, you have to, if you're leading that group, um, you're going to look back and say who can handle what and right. make those decisions based on, you know, preparation and things like that. Cause you don't want to go out. And like I said, I'll leap before I look and I'll put myself in a bad you know spot. If I'm by myself, I have no problem with it. Um, but right. it's always a consideration when other folks are with you that you're making those decisions based on everyone's safety and, you know, enjoying that hunt too, because you can go, and jump into something and make it miserable. You know, I took my son last year and I don't want him to hate it. So there was things that, you know, I might've held back on a little bit. Right. You're differently for yeah. his sake. Yeah. And, <laughs> so and a lot of it, <laughs> right. But a lot of that too, you know, is, is a safety thing. <laughs> Cause it's like, okay, I'll put myself yeah. in that position. I'm not willing to put him there. So. Definitely. Absolutely. So when you hunted in Colorado, where did you, where were you hunting? We were just south of Grand Junction and okay. we were, what would that be? That was north, northeast of Montrose. Yes. So we yes, were yes. kind of splitting the divide road between 61 and 62. And that okay. kicked Beautiful our, area. it's amazing country. Um, oh, yeah. But F that area. 
it beat us up so bad the winds the warm temperatures it was just it kicked our butts but it was worth yeah it was it worth every bit of it i wonder what does it take for you to get um a tag in like estes park is it does it take years and years i don't i don't even know let me see i'll pull i can pull that up real quick it's easy stuff Hmm. we're gonna go to go hunt right now there's a plug for go hunt okay and see what Go Hunt says. Dude, that would be just such a great place to hunt. You know, and there's so much national forest there where, you know, they're not the neighborhood elk. You know, they're they're wild elk. They're not Rocky Mountain National Park elk. Yeah. yeah. And and so I have a another I have a bunch of dilemmas, but one of my I want to work for it, right? I don't want to and that might be one of the reasons I wouldn't right. look at an area like that. I don't want to walk well, maybe, maybe if I strike out this year again on them, I might want to walk in. I'll go to Basin and Ben there, 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 <laughs> go to Eric's parking lot and shoot <laughs> shoot one of his oh, parking no, lot bulls. I, <laughs> I agree. Like the people that live across the street from my father rent out their land. To, for tags for people and they the elk will walk up to you it's it's, just, it's not my idea of hunting but yeah. it is for some people you know but there are areas in um it's called the indian peaks wilderness mm-hmm. and uh the rapaho i think it's rapaho national forest up there that you can you know it's not it's not an easy hunt by any means but i know there are more of them there yeah that's uh we don't, don't tell everybody that. <laughs> okay, don't announce that. <laughs> or erase that part. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things we're going to have to talk online. because, And that's the thing that, that, you know, with like Lauren and Allie and you. And it's like, damn, they have to have the, the best elk spots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, they got, do. You guys are chasing them all the time, mm-hmm. right? And you're, oh, here we go. But we know where they are when they're not in the park, too. Right. Exactly. You know, I know, like, the back roads and the secret spots. Exactly. Um, and that's where I, re- you know, going in the park and seeing all the photographers, that's fun. But I don't know. It's nice when you find a big bull elk by yourself, too. <laughs> in our caption, you know, capturing some separate magic. Well, you and there was one... That was a while ago. It was probably one of the first photos that I reposted of yours. Actually, it was a video. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, that was just in in public lands. Um, Might have been. Yeah. and you. Were, I don't know which one you're talking about. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, I don't know how long ago that was. It was a while ago. But it was. Well, would we uh, get off set it from them and yeah, I'll tell you. That, uh, that bull was just going ate mess crazy just screaming and it was just like oh and i think that's kind of what i don't know how i saw it or where i saw it and that's kind of what got me hooked on your page was uh mm. was that post oh, come on colorado what's up yeah I, my, my goal is this year i want to try to switch it up a little bit i wanted now that i have such a great camera in the 4k video i want to do a lot more video this year and so I, i'll definitely use a tripod for that but that's my goal this year is just to get more video footage and start exploring that. That's something I've never done besides stories and, you know, just my cell phone. Yeah. Well, I'm serious. We'll have to talk about that. Why is this not coming up? Is this stupid? Absolutely. And if you do, you know, if you do come out for your hunt and you do finish it all early, you know, you, you should, I know everyone would love to meet you. You should head out 
to Rocky Mountain National Park for the ride. And check that out. Even that for a day be, or two. Yeah, that has to be crazy. It, it is. And it's such a, it's great. The, the community, like your community, it's the same thing out there, but with photographers. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And we usually do like a photographer rut dinner <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. And we have a lot of big plans for this year coming up. I don't know why this thing is acting this way. Okay. So I'm going to skip through that. I had sent you a bullet and we were talking kind of DLSR, DSLR and the mirrorless. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of going, not going back and forth, but, but talking about, you know, the differences and, you know, of course, hunting, um, the size and weight factors in, especially with something that is peripheral gear, like a camera and some lenses. And mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really have an opinion either on either side of it. Um, but we were talking about the improvements in the mirrorless cameras versus, you know, our, our typical DSLR. Um, uh -huh. Is that, it, it just seems like the technology was in that, into that, you know, digital single lens reflex for so many years. Now the mirrorless comes in and yeah, it started off a little bit slow, but I think with the traction, um, the tech advances in that digital sensor and pulling that, that uh, mirror out of there has, wow, has boomed. I'm going to say in the last year and a half, it's just gone crazy. Yeah. They're becoming more and more popular and I think are totally taking over. <laughs> um, I think it would be, a complete game changer for like a hunt, for example, you know, because you don't want it, you want to carry as less weight as you possibly can. You know, um, I don't know too much about the mirrorless cameras. I think I avoid it because I just bought such an expensive DSLR. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm kind of in denial that they even exist <laughs> because like, um, but from what I've heard, I listened to a photography podcast today of some, you know, professional wildlife photographers. They had some really good darn things to say about them. And uh, but they're very, very comparable, you know, to the full frame, you know, you know, quality DSLRs. So it's something definitely I would love to try. If I had a friend that had one, I would definitely want to try it out. I don't think I'll be going out and buying one, though. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, you know, because now the, the mirrorless have the full frame. And to look at, and like I told you, I was shooting a 7D and now I'm, you know, running that A-frame Sony. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like, remember the old giant brick cell phones back in the, back in the nineties yes. that, I mean, it's like looking at one of those versus, you know, uh, uh, iPhone. I mean, it's just wow. night and freaking day. And to see, I've never seen one. I didn't know. It is nuts the size difference, and I know one of the downsides. And you have a Sony one, yeah. One of the downsides that, and I think it's just a misconception. Again, at this point in the technology advances with the with the digital or the mirrorless cameras, is that you only have the LCD, and you didn't have that straight optical path with the viewfinder. And albeit it's not the straight optical path with the viewfinder on the mirrorless still, it's still digital sensors, but now you have both the LCD and, um, and your viewfinder. 
And that was one of the things that we were discussing earlier. It To me, there's a benefit in the mirrorless when you're looking through and the photographers are going to just tell me I'm crazy now. So you guys can hit me later. <laughs> but to me, there's a benefit in looking through the viewfinder on, you know, on the digital sensor. I'm getting this. I'm looking at the image I'm taking. It's going to be the same image that I see on the LCD screen as I'm taking the picture versus, and this is just my opinion, folks, uh, the DSLR, I'm not seeing the picture. I'm seeing the scene, but I'm not seeing the end result until I push the capture button. I think that makes sense. Makes sense in my head. (laughs) I think you could see, do you think that you could probably see that quality better though on a DSLR with the viewfinder? I think so. Like the minute I hit my capture, you know, my capture button, I can tell if it's sharp or not. Well, I'm, so I just picked up my camera. And yeah, I think the, I think the processor speeds and the sensors and everything, they have sped up so much that I don't, I don't think that there's any difference in what I'm seeing. Wow. I really That's want incredible. you to pick one up and tell me. I do. I, that want, I'm not I want crazy. to. <laughs> yeah, no, I need, I, I really can't put too much, um, of my thoughts into it just because I haven't even held one before. So I'm, that's going to be, I'm going out with a photographer later this week and I'm pretty sure he has a mirrorless. I'm almost positive. So I'm going to, if he has one, I'm going to have, have to test it out. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, honestly, I think what I'm seeing is what's going to be on this back of this screen on my memory card. When I look at it, I think I'm getting what I'm seeing through the viewfinder. Wow, I want to see your photos with it. I don't take that many because it's always a secondary. I'll send you some though. I'll send <laughs> yeah, you some. I would love to see. It. I would love to see how they are because I hear Sony is just amazing. You know, if I when I when I do when I do invest in another camera, I think that's the route I'm going to go. And it, you know what? Uh, Was it Canon and Nikon not, now have uh, now have mirrorless offerings? They do. So, I think it's called yeah. the Z7. I could be wrong. Yep. I, yep. Okay. I think that is it. I, okay, and I've heard I've heard good things. I'd love to. I I wonder if the lenses. No, they wouldn't be interchangeable. I don't think. I think I'm okay. Sure. So I think there are, in some instances, I think there are adapters, because um, I remember seeing, I remember seeing or yeah, seeing something. I don't know what the hell I was just saying that I had the ability to take certain lenses and put it on an adapter for that would take it from Canon to Sony. And I could be crazy on that, but I could have sworn as I was looking at lenses, I saw that. Okay. Cause it'd be interesting to see if any of my lenses would work would on work. a Nikon mirrorless. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, the it Z6 is what I see from Nikon top 16 mirrorless, okay. top 16 mirrorless. And let's see. And then I think that's a, yeah. It looks like Nikon is the best full frame mirrorless camera really? on the market. Yeah. What's the name of it? Do you know? It's the Did Z- you say Z6? Yeah, it's the Z6. Huh. So Interesting. Can, yeah, so you can still be that uh, the Nikon junkie. and. Yeah, it'd be nice not to have all that weight because my camera is pretty heavy. <laughs> well, they look like I have a couple of them here rounders okay so it's number oh wow so it's number one it's the APS-C mirrorless and that's the Nikon Z50 
does it say how much it costs? Wow. No way. This has to be like a, <laughs> this is like a entry level camera based on that right here. Let me scroll down a little bit. It's okay. a, it's under a thousand bucks. That's no way. This is like, oh, wow. yeah, that's no way. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't. No, it'd this be is, interested to see what yeah, the speed is. Oh, no, I see it. It says it camera. Okay. I'm going to go. That was affordable and simple. I'm going camera for pros right now. Oh, yeah, I go to the expensive ones. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going, you got to go full send. <laughs> Yeah, I was going with that. Something's wrong. Okay, here we go. They're coming up now. Oh, uh, uh, no, that's why did it go? It went back to uh, affordable. Doesn't want me to spend the money. So, number 10 is the A7R from Sony, and it's 29. Okay. So we're in the right, we're in the right area now. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's like, I think mine was like 37. Yeah, so this A7 is 34 and that's at, you know, that's an Amazon price. Uh BH Photo has it for 34. So then, That's where I buy everything. Yeah, me too. So you got uh and then right under that oh is the Z7. And that's actually okay. the Z7's only 27. Oh, okay. 21 yeah. at BH. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's not bad for a good camera when you think, you know, I think it's totally worth everything when you think, think I, of the images you're getting. Well, okay. So let's qualify that, right? Because mm -hmm. for me, for a guy that the camera is secondary every time I go out, maybe not even secondary. It's like fourth in line. <laughs> right. That's, that's right. A, you know what I mean? If you're not, if you're not. That's expensive. Yeah, if, if you're not, not a getting any. Exactly. Expensive. If there's no return on those portraits, that's a whole heck right. of a, I'd rather, you know, you can go buy a quad or something for, for four Oh, or absolutely. Five yeah, no, I could see for you, it wouldn't be worth it for me when I'm selling prints. Yeah. It's paying for you itself. Know, it's paying for itself. Or, you know, I do a lot of senior photography, high school senior photography. Mm -hmm. And it really pays for itself in no time. You know, and that's not my passion, but that, that makes, that makes Make me more money, money. <laughs> <laughs> than my prints. So yeah, there's some, uh, there's some Fuji's Fuji's is that, Oh, I'll keep with BH. Oh, she's Fuji. The GFX 50 R coming up. Well, they yeah, are, I heard they're, they're five, number five on this camera for pro list. Um, but it's 4,500. What's no, funny is so you have so you have the Fuji on one side of this and then you have the Sony A9 Mark II at 4400. So you have one at number 13 and then that Fuji is at 15, but in between that and that's kind of tripping me out is the Olympus OM um M1 Mark III and it's fallen in at 1799 at BH. Wow. I've heard good things. I've heard really good things about that Olympus camera. That's true. I mean, what a jump in price between 13, 14 and number 15 on that list. Absolutely. Huh. I have a girlfriend that shoots with it and her pictures are amazing. And she's using the mirrorless? The Olympus. Oh, uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. 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 Her pictures are just incredible. I hmm. If I'm looking at a $4,500 camera, it's going to be the front of your lens. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And if you see one that's rated better for what? $2,000 less. 
but I'm one of those suckers. Like, you know, I got a Sony now and it'd be hard pressed to get me off of something that works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I think it would be, it's going to be hard for me to even switch. I just, I've wanted this camera and had my eyes set on it for two years. <laughs> it was obsolete you know, 10 days after yeah, you bought it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was nothing, I, no one was going to tell me anyone, anything was better. <laughs> this is the one I wanted. You know, I think I'll, I, this is probably going to be a, a camera I use for at least five years, I would say. And that's, I mean, that's a hard thing too, right? With technology and the, especially it seems like these mirrorless went, like I said earlier, they went crazy in the last year and a half, two years. Um, and you, I watch guys buy a camera and then six months later, they're, you know, they're buying a new camera because a new one come out. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy. What are they doing for a living? <laughs> <laughs> Selling cameras cheaper than losing money I on cameras. That one. I stayed for that one for so long. Did you insure yours? Make sure you insure it. No, I bought mine for like pennies on the dollar because of the wanting to upgrade. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Buddy wanted right, to upgrade. I, I let him. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's important though if you do pay full price to definitely insure all your gear. My dog two cameras ago. My camera was on the coffee table and she grabbed the strap and the mirror shattered. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so that's another perk of a mirrorless one is you won't have that happen. Yeah. Well, I will say though, on the other side of that, because the camera, the body is so much smaller, I feel like I have to baby it a little bit. Um, oh, when I had yeah. the 7D and those cannons are, they're pretty much bulletproof in my opinion. Um, when mm -hmm. I had that 7D, I felt like it didn't matter if I was, you know, if it was banging on my hip or whatever it was. But with this thing, I'm just, I don't know if it's just because of its size. I haven't had any problems with it, but maybe it's just, you know, a thought That's process. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Like I'm running in fields with mine right. <laughs> and it's banging all over the place, yeah. you know? And swinging and I've never had an issue, thankfully. And I'm not to say, like I said, it may just be looking at it going, oh, it's a little dainty thing. Yeah, treating it extra gentle. <laughs> so I, I have to ask everybody this because it's something that's important yeah. to me and something that I'm always looking towards and for. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't, I can't say it doesn't have to do with hunting because you're not hunting yet, but mm -hmm. what, what are you looking on? What's your focus for improvement in, you know, this year going into season? Um, what are you striving to improve I'm on? Striving, yeah. Um, I'm striving to just be better this next year to go for, you know, go out in more risks. I want to focus on more action shots and not so much my, por my portrait photography. You know, like I love the connection I have, the eye to eye contact, but I want to get more fighting, more movement. People love, one thing I've noticed is people love movement. I think my photos that have been a big success, they're all moving <laughs> and they're not posing for the camera. So I, I think that's my goal is just to try harder to be creative out in the field and not just so point and shoot to get the portrait photograph um 
and I want to leave the field where every, you know, a lot of the photographers gather in this one big meadow and that's where most of the activity is. And I want to leave that area this year and go into the woods, you know, on my own and just get different photographs and meet new bulls and have um, connections with elk that I typically wouldn't see by staying in the meadow. Um, another thing I would love to do is I would love to, I would love to go on an elk hunt this next um, fall. So I'm hoping that's going to happen. Do you know? Do you know? Make it happen outdoors. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm supposed to go out with oh, him okay. and his daughter. Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that that happens. I think that would be, you know, a really nice thing to do and just something completely out of my comfort zone. That's what I want 2020 to be about is just trying new things, new experiences, being scared. Isn't that the best? Yes, it is. I love when I'm nervous going into something and then dive into it and do well. (laughs) I think there's no better feeling than that. I love it. I do too. So one of the questions you were just saying something, how do you, how do you see that right from going from predominantly wildlife and and making that transition from wildlife and that emotion to capturing hunters in the field and displaying that emotion because the range of emotions that mm. we have i mean yeah. I, it's just it's enormous when we're out there on the chase right the highs the lows the in-betweens how do you think that that's going to go or have you even thought of that type of that type of scenario and capturing that those I moments have. and images I have. I think it's going to be um, emotional for me. I think I, I'd probably cry <laughs> and say prayer <laughs> with the hunter. But um, it's just so appealing to me <laughs> ever since I've um, really gotten into hunting just by following you guys, you know, and your whole circle. And I've, for the past year or so, it's been a dream of mine or just, you know, future dream I should say to be involved and I think I just want to capture those special moments for hunters you know I like I said I see photos and I'm like ah they need a better photo than that (laughs) (laughs) you know and you know a little cell phone a grainy you know, you know, somewhere. Like, it's so easy to pull that thing out of the cargo pocket and just snap, snap. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I mean, I want to get like a big 16 by 20 for you on your wall. Heck yeah. <laughs> you know, just something that you can look at for years to come and pass on to your kids. And that's the best too, because I really like the. I like the downsides of it. Like that is my motivation is those times where like I'm ready to quit or I'm getting my butt kicked or I'm dripping wet with sweat. I mean that to get those moments captured. And that's, that are the, that's the times we're not thinking about pulling the camera out and recording that. But I think those are the most important to portray the entire experience and have someone look at that and grab that emotion and be able to relate to it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think women, I don't know, it would just be, it would be fun to be following 
behind and seeing the blood, sweat, and tears and capturing those moments. And women are sensitive like that. We see that, you know, those moments really um, pull at us. <laughs> you know, I think because we're like, I'm an emotional girl. You know, I think I would love to capture those raw moments that you don't even know I'm taking your photo. Well, and that's the cool part, right? Is in, and I've said it, I, and I was talking to Jeff Moran about that, is that aspect of vulnerability because we, yes. especially as men, we tend to shut that down. But when we're out there, I mean, that is almost 90% of the time. I mean, you are, we're not, it, to me, we're, we're part of the food chain when we're out there, uh, be it mother nature or yeah. those true apex predators. Um, so to be able to get that vulnerability, whether it be, you know, on a still image or on video, that is mm -hmm. huge. Huge to oh, me. absolutely. And I think I would be so aware of that, you know, and just see it and be like, oh, I need to get that on photo right now. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I think it would be emotional for me too, you know, just to to be a part of it. And I, I just want the, to be involved in that and to experience it. And I think that will give me a really good idea if I can do it too. Yeah. I, you know, and, uh, the, the fact that you're saying that you, want to dive in and do something that challenges you to that point of like, oof, um, you'll be all about it. <laughs> yeah. Because it, honestly, that is the, you know, that grip and grin or that trophy pick that you were talking about. That's just, mm -hmm. that's that last 30 seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, right. that is that depiction of what we do is just so so minor i mean it just does not yeah. for us looking at it it captures it but to tell the story to the masses i don't think it captures it enough right and that's what i want to do i want to be there for the story the adventure the journey and capture those raw yeah hard roots. <laughs> i don't there for the end photo and to get the phone call hey we got it come on out i don't i know i don't want to be there for that i want to be there for the entire mm -hmm. thing yeah document it and get great footage you know footage that you can look back you know and just smile and remember you know how hard it was oh, yeah. i know it's not easy um so we got the focus on proving that kind of takes care of the 2020 outlook um anything that we missed? I don't think so. I would like to mention one thing about photos Shoot. and in editing. So, I, so one thing that I just recently discovered is I switched from an Android phone to an iPhone. I was looking at my Instagram page on someone um, that was using an iPhone. And I, I was looking at the pictures on my page, my Instagram page. I'm like, what is going on? Whose photos are these? They look nothing like what I posted. The quality of the screen and the color collaboration on the Android is completely different from the iPhone. And the next day I bought my first iPhone. <laughs> oh, wow. Because... My picture almost my pictures almost look like I saturated, you know, them tons. They didn't look like anything what I thought I was posting. Okay. Then a similar situation happened. I had an HP laptop. And when I would 
email. So what I do, how I process my photos is I email that I, sorry, excuse me. I edit them in Lightroom and then I email them to myself so that I have it on my phone to post to Instagram for if I'm posting to Instagram. My photos that I edited on my HP laptop look completely different when I get it on my iPhone. It's because I had an outdated computer. It wasn't that outdated. It was probably a three-year-old HP touchscreen. It was a nice laptop. But then two weeks ago, I got a MacBook Pro. And the, the screen quality is just incredible. So I never thought about how important your laptop or computer screen. Right, because the resolution and everything else. <sighs> wow. The, so what would happen is on my HP is I would send myself, email myself the photo and then get it on my iPhone and be like, it's not sharp. <laughs> why does it look blurry or why aren't the colors the same? But now when I'm editing them on my MacBook Pro, which has, you know, a really good high resolution screen and then emailing them myself, they're one-to-one. So that's another thing I think for photographers to really consider is I think your computer screen quality is almost as important as your, you know, almost as important as your camera. I wouldn't even, even thought of that. Yep. You're seeing two different images. So I think that's, a, you know, something good to point out. What about, what about editing those photos on like Lightroom mobile or PS mobile? I don't do it. I don't, I've, I've, I guess I, I've never, I've never trusted it. Maybe. It wouldn't be the same. Well, I, I don't know. Like I get home and I load my SD card into my laptop and just put them straight into my computer. And I like having just a huge screen Sweet, so right. I can see that. You know, a lot of my photos when I'm editing them, I'm not editing them for Instagram. I'm editing them to print them. So I want that really big, you know, 16 inch picture in front of me and just making sure it just looks perfect. So then if someone, you know, approaches me about purchasing one, you know, it's ready to go. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I do, I print a lot for even just my house. (laughs) I have a lot of photos, you know, scattered throughout. So I usually print all of them to size. I usually edit them, all of them to size, you know, for Instagram or for printing. Yeah, I don't change don't, them. So, so now when you, when you go through that and then you, <clears throat> excuse me, go into post because Instagram compresses the heck out of everything. How are you, are you editing a little bit different to fit Instagram's compression or, or is it just, this is my edit and it's good enough. How does that work? No, I usually, so I email myself the edited photo to put on Instagram and then I upload it into Instagram, but then I always go to the editing tab because it does change it a little bit. And I always edit a little bit in Instagram, you know, not the, not the filters or anything, but I'll definitely maybe bump up the contrast or the sharpening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause they kill you. Yeah. I'll play with the shadows a little bit. But I actually like how they change the photo and compress them so people can't print them. <laughs> oh, there you go. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, between me and you, I'll tell you when you tell me when you're done, and I'll tell you. <laughs> 
Okay, so I'll wait on that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't want to give away any secrets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so let folks know where they can buy those prints because I know a lot of people are double tapping and a lot of people appreciate the photos, but how do you support a photographer? Well, you get her in the woods with you or you buy some prints. So hit yeah, them with that. So, so most of the time um, people just message me on Instagram and I, I, I work with them that way. I have an Etsy shop where you can buy the JPEG. So you just buy the actual picture and then you can go print it wherever you like. But a lot of, I'm finding people like to have them framed and have it ready to be hung. So in that case, you would just send me a message on Instagram. But if you need a hunt photographer, I'm your girl. <laughs> there you go. I, and I, I guarantee you're going to have people swinging at that one. And that would I be a, so. that would be a DM to Instagram. Yeah. For folks yeah, that are interested be. in that. Yeah. Cool. Well, I uh, appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship. And we had a blast on our live. And that was a, you know what? I got, I'm two for two on this SOB. I just thought about that. I got the first live and I got the first podcast. I was getting ready. And I'm like, how's this guy getting me on the phone? Styling. I just thought about that. I had a photographer friend see the podcast or see the live. He's like, how did he get you to do that? (laughs) (laughs) I actually, so if we didn't, it was funny because I sat down and I had my glasses and my hat and I was, Mm -hmm. you know, we were supposed to get some video on this and for whatever reason, tech issues. Um, Mm -hmm. But I had my hat and my glasses ready because I wanted you to feel comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have either on. (laughs) No way. No, I didn't. I didn't have, I didn't have either on. No. But uh, no, I appreciate, thank you so much for having me and even wanting to talk to me and thinking that I, you know, have a voice. I really appreciate you, your friendship and being, you know, a part of this amazing hunting community. Yeah. Some great people. Just another, another wonderful addition. So yes. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, I appreciate the time as usual. Um, Yeah. I'll hit stop and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, cool. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Guy. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. The purpose of Valley to Peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science to help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry. There's no secret. This is done through education, coaching, and programming based on personal goals and preferences. Head over to valleytopeaknutrition.com or catch them on Instagram at V2P Nutrition.